I unfortunately um, uh, have was married previously, and even if I add the two together, I'm not even close. But, um, you know, to Malcolm and Pamela, you're catching up to John and Judy who are away this weekend. You know, they recently had their 60th. So, you know, hey, you're, you're on your way. Um, I'm sort of midlife crisis way towards the 60, not even close. You'd be doing all right, wouldn't you, Rice? 30? 30 as well? Wow, don't I? 30 in October. Lyndon? 26? Wow, that's awesome. 29? Should I ask? Eddie, how long? You don't have to tell us, but we want you to. (laughs) That's fantastic. Hey? Amazing. You know what? What that means is, regardless of your age... When there's young people in our midst, whether they're newly married or they're, they're courting, yeah, what they have is all this real-life experience and wisdom that can sow in, you know. That's how family works, generations. Generations speak to generations. You know, that old adage, it takes, what is it? It takes a village to raise a, raise a child, as it goes, something like that. Um, it does, it really does. And we have within this place a wealth of Christian life experience, life experience, financial experience, marriage, couple experience, you know, because I'd imagine that most people uh, would say that in their marriage, whether it was 46 years, 60 years, 29 years, 30 years, 17 years, you know, some of it it can be difficult at times. But I'm, I'm assuming some of you have just had that perfect marriage, you got married, and then it was just like you were just heading to heaven. The rest of us occasionally have a small dip down you know so in this room though there's a there's wisdom to be able to walk with people yeah and we've been talking about walking a life that is vulnerable not worrying about shame and what the enemy might say and there are moments in our life even in our relationships where we need to come alongside people and say you know what we're just struggling at the minute we're arguing you know I'm right, she's wrong, and she can't see it. I need your help to help her to see. Now, I know, I know it's not like that. Yeah, but it's where we can come alongside people and just really lay it out on the table so people can sit with us and say, hey, have you looked at it like this? Have you done this? Maybe we can talk about it together. So I, I love that. I love the idea. Um, I love the concept. I love the reality of it if we're willing to step into it, if we're willing to live a vulnerable life. You know, last week, I said the mark of a Christian is vulnerability and there was a a quote that uh, I used by Tim Keller, there's no way to have a real relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. There is no way to have a real relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. And again, if we're to be open, honest and vulnerable, (laughs) none of us like, like the idea of being hurt. I don't think anyone says, oh, hurt, that's awesome. Bring it on. Yeah, I can't wait. I don't think any of us like that thought, nor do we like it when we're actually hurt. You know, um, it's not a nice place to be. And most people avoid being hurt by not being vulnerable. Because if you're not vulnerable, if you're not open, if you're not honest, if you're not sharing the stuff that's in your life, what you're going through, then no one can trample on it and no one can throw it back in your face. And so you, you save yourself the heartache of being hurt. You know, the world has taught us over many years that being vulnerable is a sign of weakness. It's embarrassing. It brings shame. But we also know that what the enemy uses to stop us, Father God uses to propel us. 
Uh, and so it's important. It's important to Father God that he, so important to him, in fact, that he showed us through his son, you know. He showed us how vulnerable he was prepared to be by sending his son as a baby. He showed us how vulnerable he was prepared to be by sending Jesus, you know, on the road to the cross where he was beaten, cursed, spat upon, you know, ultimately death. So vulnerability is really super important to God. And so that means living vulnerable is important. But the only way for you and I to live vulnerable, a life that I believe he calls us to live without being hurt in the face of knowing hurt's coming is to be able to guard our hearts. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I I love the fact that during the worship, you know, as they were bringing their sacrifice of praise. I don't know if some of you noticed the shift, but Ben was going to, to that last song. And then he stopped and pulled it back and went back to, I want to waste it all, and talked about the overflow of the heart. Yeah, God was speaking in that moment because there's something so life-giving for us if we can understand what it is to guard our heart. So let's pray. And let's jump in and let's see what God does. So, Father, I I thank you. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for Holy Spirit. I thank you for the way that you move. I thank you for the way that you speak. I thank you that even during our worship, you just shifted something. Lord God, I thank you for that. Lord, we are ready for you here today. Lord, our hearts are prepared to receive a word that will transform us and mould us and prune us and cut us more into the image of your Son, Jesus. Father, we thank you, as always, for the wonderful privilege that we have of coming freely into this place. Lord, without fear or trepidation of what might happen, like in some countries. So we come, God, to give you all the glory. We come to lift up the name of Jesus. We come, Lord, that we might be more like him. And so bless this day. Bless those that are here, those that are away, keep them safe. And everybody said, Amen. So a healthy heart, uh, it's important to live a healthy life. That's a fair call. For those that are here that have had an unhealthy heart, that have been in and out of hospital, you know, if you want to live a healthy life, then generally, you know, physically a healthy heart's probably a good place to start. And I want to suggest that in the same way that our natural heart's important to our body and our physical health, our spiritual heart's important for our spirits. It's important to be healthy in our spirit, our spiritual hearts. It's no different. Generally speaking, I believe in Christianity, things that are happening spiritually have a mirror physically and vice versa, often, often if you have a look. So a strong and healthy heart is a heart that's connected to God that's trusting him in faith, a heart that, that's alive and, and it's in love with God and, and the truth of who he is, you know. Um, it's a heart that is able to sit and rest with him at all times, knowing that he has things in control, even when it doesn't look like it, you know, and that's a must for us, for our spiritual well, you know, health and well-being. You know, the word heart, believe it or not, appears in the Bible 800 times. Give or take a couple, yeah? Google's reasonably accurate. But 800 times. And there's a quote by Jay Stowell in his book, Fan the Flame, 
And it says this, heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. Yeah, not mind, not logic, not thought, heart. It is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate and decide. It has been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity, the comprehensive term for a person as a whole, his feelings, desires, passions, thought, understanding and will, and the centre of a person, the place to which God turns. So if our heart is the place that surmises who we are and the place to which God turns, I reckon it's pretty important that we keep it healthy, yeah? Especially in, in light of him calling us to live a life that could possibly put us on a path that, where we could be hurt because we're being vulnerable. You know, the New Testament word for heart is the Greek word cardia. And, you know, that's where we get the word cardiologist from and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the word heart refers not just to the physical organ that pumps blood in our body and is in the center of our physical life, but in the Bible, it's also in a spiritual sense, yeah, the center of a person's will. It's the center of our will. You, you could almost imagine it like a seat. Yeah, your heart is, is a seat of your emotions, your desires and your affections. It's where it all stems from. It's where it comes. It's the source. It's at the center of our spiritual life. Now, Proverbs 4 is really interesting in light of that because Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 27 reads this. My son... Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, above all else, above all else, your greatest priority, the thing that you need to focus on more in your life than anything else, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. I, I, I love that, that passage of Scripture because for me it captures me at verse 20. Because it's, it's telling us to pay attention. Pay attention. This is really important, you know. It's, it's almost as if that, that particular section of Scripture had been highlighted and underlined and put in bold if it was on our tablets and phones and computers today, yeah. Pay attention to this. Check it out. It's really important. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. In case you missed it, guard your hearts. And I love that it speaks to us as individuals. It says, pay attention, now guard your heart. Nowhere does it say, hey, pay attention, your wife, future wife, future husband, yeah, is going to guard your heart. Your mum, your dad, they'll guard your heart. Your pastor and the elders, they're going to guard your heart. No, it doesn't, doesn't say that. It just says, guard your heart. Guard it, guard it, guard it, guard it. It's our responsibility to guard our hearts. It's our responsibility. The New Living Translation says, above all else, guard your heart. The message says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. Yeah? The English Standard Version says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, I love it, flow the springs of life. 
Yet most of humanity try to live through and with logic and thought, well-planned-out structure, not touching their heart, particularly Western culture. Can't be emotional. When you and I are called to live like Jesus, and then we look and see that he was hurt in fulfilling his purpose on earth, that means if we're going to live like him, that we can be hurt as well. So it's really important that we learn to guard our hearts. You know, you and I, we were once sinners. While we were sinners, God still, in light of that, sent his son to die on a cross. That if we should accept that, if we should believe in that, the sacrifice that he made, that we would then have the opportunity of being his children, walking into his family, sons and daughters of a living God, a royal priesthood seated in heavenly places part of daddy's family abba's family as vicky puts it popper yeah that's that's truth and that truth lives inside of us because for, proverbs 4:23 calls the heart the wellspring of life yeah the wellspring of life even ben talked when he shifted today talked about the overflow of the heart but what's the overflow of the heart? It has to be the truth that now sits inside of our hearts that we were sinners, but he sent his son yeah, to save us. And now, no matter what you do, yeah, you've got to get this, no matter what you do, you will not surprise God yeah, and have him love you less because when he could have loved you the very least, he still sent his son, Jesus. That should be so resident in our heart that's what overflows yeah wellspring if we're going to go with proverbs 23 wellspring actually means the head or the source of the spring it's the starting point and we already shared that the heart is the starting point it's the source it's where our attitudes our actions our thoughts flow and that's why god tells us in proverbs above all else guard your heart because if you ruin it from the very beginning if you ruin the starting point then everything else after that is ruined yeah? If you muck up a recipe at the very beginning, no matter what you do, I'm telling you, it's not going to be right at the end. You know, if you ruin the starting point of your heart, whether it's a day later, a year later, years later, the end of your life, it will never run right. Yeah? It's the starting point. We need to protect it. And if our heart's in the wrong position, then we can't love properly. You can't love properly if our hearts aren't right. You know, remember the new command that Jesus gave us, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Living out that truth happens in the heart. It can't happen in our minds. It happens in our heart. Understanding God's amazing love and his grace happens in our hearts. It doesn't happen in our heads. Yeah? It doesn't make sense to love your enemies. It doesn't make sense to bless those that curse you. Even peace from him goes beyond our understanding. Everything happens in our heart. And if you shut off your heart, you're missing everything. Yeah, Everything starts in the heart. Yet if you shut off the heart, you miss everything. You know, as you read the Gospels, Jesus was often fighting and battling he was always in conflict with the pharisees yeah yet the pharisees if you know anything about the pharisees they were loyal to what they were taught you know 
the things that they'd learnt through the rabbis, passed down over the generations, almost like Karate Kid from father to son, father to son. They were loyal with what they had received. They were totally loyal to the law, totally to what was handed down. Even 1 Corinthians 14.10, if you read that, would suggest yeah, that everything they did had to be proper and in order. The problem was that they started to raise their own rules and regulations and they lost sight. They forgot what God wanted. Yeah? So instead of keeping the main thing the main thing, they focused on the, the smaller stuff. And the main thing that they lost sight of was to glorify God with a heart of trusting faith because they made it all about rules and regulations. They reduced <laughs> their faith or their religion to do's and don'ts. And they missed the fact that what God was trying to bring to us was not, nothing about rules. It was all about relationship, a relationship with him and a relationship that is accepted and lived from the heart. Yeah? See, the relationship that we received, we received by what he did, not what we could ever do. So the heart, full stop, is what matters to God. Above all else, guard your heart. Yeah? So if it matters to God, then it has to matter to us. You know, what determines our relationship with God is not our external, you know, appearance. It's not how great I look. Though I have to admit, the picture of the donuts. I had this awesome donut, Janine, the other day. It was a peanut butter and jam donut from Griffenberger. Sensational. Mel wouldn't like try it because she didn't want to add any, anything to her figure no she just doesn't like jam anyway um i was loving it and i chose it so nobody else would eat it because i know that my boys won't you know nathan in particular won't eat peanut butter mel doesn't eat jam so it's all mine and it was super fresh it's got nothing to do with the message but the donuts picture of the donuts just reminded me i kept going back looking they got red skin donuts vanilla slice donuts they are awesome donuts if you're ever feeling out of love with jesus go and have a donut and then grab a friend after that you'll feel better for it i did <laughs> it was the Jesus that made me feel better not the donut but I'm sure the donut helped but it's not our external appearance it's not the rituals it's not the traditions that we keep yeah it's not the fact that we grew up in a church that used to play the organ and now it doesn't play the organ uh, it's not it's not the fact that we have a Christmas tree for a month to two months in our church where some churches won't it's not about rituals and laws what you do what we do what they do it's not about that stuff it's about what's in the heart yeah Always about what's in the heart. A really cool example of that is when, when the Lord is speaking to Samuel because, you know, the Lord had it, it, it chosen David, yeah? But Samuel had David's brother Eliab in sight because he was better looking. He was dashing. A little bit like me and my brother. Dave's not here to defend himself. Most of you don't know him. You never will. Just take it for granted. I'm better looking than he. Anyway, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. The heart, the heart, the heart, the heart is the most important thing to God. The heart is what matters. It doesn't matter whether we sing for 12 minutes and 33 seconds, like in 
large churches. It doesn't matter if we sing for 35 to 45 to 60 minutes like we do in this church. It's not about what we do, yeah? It's not about that. It's not about whether you have communion in church or not have communion in church. It's not about any of those, those things. It's about the heart. What's the heart behind it, yeah? The heart's always what's the most important. And we've got an enemy, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, that wants to steal and destroy and crush your heart. If he could, he would take your living heart out of your body, throw it to the ground, and while it was still pumping, bouncing around like a goldfish out of water, he'd be stomping on it, yeah? That's what the enemy wants to do to us spiritually. Particularly when it comes to our heart, he wants to seduce our heart. He wants to turn our hearts away from God, doesn't he? He wants to move God from the throne of your life and replace it with him, something else, anything else. So we have to guard our hearts. I mean, Jesus mentions in Mark 7 a whole bunch of stuff that we have to guard our hearts from. You know, we've got to guard our hearts against pride, against legalism, against hypocrisy, of pretending something that we are not. Ever done that? As a child, as an adult, ever? I reckon that a few of us could put our hand or two up. We've got to guard our heart against greed, envy, lust, idolatry, unrighteous anger, becoming impatient with God. Ever become impatient with God? I have. I got impatient with God last week. I was having a moment about stuff. I won't share. (laughs) But, you know, just like, Lord, you know, hello. We were talking about it even at our own friendship group. Sometimes we become impatient because what we know is the truth is not what we're physically living in. This is the fact, what we're experiencing, but we know the truth. If you own the cattle on a thousand hills, why do I still have bills to pay? Yeah. If everything about you is relationship, why am I not hearing you today? You know, like, I, I, I prayed for someone who's really sick. If by his stripes we're healed, why has this person still got cancer? You know, there's, there's stuff in our life that we can become really impatient about and upset about and point our finger at God about. It's really important that we guard our heart yeah, from those things because those things will eventually leave, lead to hurt. See, Satan will use any of those things he can in our life to stop us, to paralyze us spiritually. But God wants our heart. It makes no sense. He wants it soft, tender, so that it can be hurt so that he can fulfill everything he wants through us. <laughs> like if it was hard, stony rock, it'd be perfect. Because then, no, no, we couldn't be hurt. But then we can't be used of God. But when it's soft and it's tender and it, and it can be hurt and it can be crushed, and the enemy wants to crush it and steal it, then we're in a right position for God to do all he wants to do. So he says, hey, you better guard it. If you're going to be my children and live a vulnerable life, you better guard it. I guess it's important if we're going to live a vulnerable life and not be hurt, then we we need to learn how to guard our heart. And it's really easy when you think about it in word, not always in deed. But Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a quote that goes something like this, God's word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from God's word. Yeah? So it's important for us, that word that's been hidden in our heart, the secret is keeping it there. We've got to keep it there. We sang a song that said, hey, you're the way maker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness. 
My God, that is who you are. We sang that, yeah? We have to keep that in our hearts because when the enemy starts to pound against our soft heart and he's going against everything that we know is true, we need to be able to protect what's there so we can go, talk to the hand, ears not listening. No way, bad boy. Hairy legs, whatever you want to call him, yeah? Not going down that track. When the scripture says above all else, guard, when it says guard, it's, it's saying to us, yes, guard, guard, but the word also means custody. It also means imprisonment. It's the same word, yeah? It's the same Hebrew word, mismari, yeah? And in 2 Kings 10.31, it says, yet Jehu, if I'm pronouncing it right, was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all, his, all of his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. I want to say this. It's the same word, Mismari, yeah, for guard, that is the same word being used for keep. Jehu did not keep. He did not keep. You can't keep something unless you have something. Yeah? You've got to get this. You can't keep something unless you have something. So he was given the law of the Lord and he did not keep it. Now, when we look back at the scripture in Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart. When we think of guarding our heart, most of us think about keeping out what's coming at us, what the enemy wants to throw at us. Because we want to keep guard our heart so nothing that's not right can get in there. <laughs> but when we look at how the enemy works and we keep all his attacks from entering our heart and affecting us, when that's our focus, how's that working for you? Anyone anxious at times? Anyone get depressed? Anyone get angry sometimes? Flustered? Impatient? Any worry? Any doubts? Who struggles with it that way they look at times? See, when we guard our hearts to this end, to keep stuff out, for whatever reason, it still gets in. And that's why that scripture in 2 Kings is so very important. The enemy knows what to throw at us to poison our heart. Especially, especially when we're called to live a vulnerable life. Yeah? And when we're not focused on the right thing, we try to read more, we pray more, we get counsel, we do all the right stuff. They're all good. But if our focus has become on keeping the enemy out, we've missed the point. Our job in guarding our heart, keeping captive, imprisoning, is not to keep stuff out but it's to keep stuff in he's the way maker the promise keeper the light in the darkness the king of all kings the lord of all lords he does own the cattle on a thousand hills yeah he's the prince of peace he's the rose of sharon he's the lily of the valley he's the bright morning star where his sons his daughters living in heavenly places seated in heaven yeah with all the authority 
that has been given to us because it lives inside of us. We are his delegated authority. That is the truth that he has placed in our hearts. So when he says, above all else, guard your hearts, he's saying, man, keep that truth there. Because as you live vulnerable and as the enemy starts to throw stuff your way, you need to know what's in there. You need to make sure it's there and it's tight. If I said to Samuel, Samuel, I'm your dad. Here's a key card. Here's the PIN number. All the money that's in that account is for you to use. I guarantee you, my son won't question for a moment whether he could or couldn't. He'd go to an ATM and he'd withdraw and he'd withdraw and he'd withdraw and he'd withdraw because I told him that, hey, there's money in that account. You're my son. You have access. God says the same thing to us and I don't know what it is. It's not that we doubt him, but in the way that we entertain the stuff that comes at us, we're no longer guarding what's in our hearts. Yeah, because when we have our doubts and our confusion and have moments of dis, you know, despair, I'm not talking about just the stuff in life that we have to work through, but when they're constantly there, underlying all of that, yeah, underlying all of that for all of us, is do I really believe what he said? Because if we did it, then we wouldn't struggle with it. When I'm struggling at home with our finances or at the church, we've prayed about it here with others that I can fight in, if I truly believe the word, yeah, that he'll never let us go without, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, yeah, that all things work together for good, then why am I still struggling with that thought? I know, the, I know where the thought comes from, comes from the enemy. So I'm trying to keep that thought out, but I'm still struggling with it. So underlying all of that, do I really believe the word? Have I guarded my heart? Have I truly kept what God has placed in there? So when the enemy comes, I can be like Jesus in the wilderness and just say, buddy, this is, might be what you're saying and you're promising, but this is what I know. Guard your heart. Keep stuff in. The real life we experience isn't what's happening around us, but it's what's already inside of us. Yeah? You know, I know the Bible says that we're fighting against principality and powers. I know the Bible says that the enemy wants to steal and destroy our faith. But I also know that the enemy is under our feet. Have we got that in our hearts? Have we guarded that truth? Have we imprisoned it so that it will never get out no matter what the enemy throws at us? Above all else, guard your heart. I think we need to be a people that stop focusing on the enemy and what he's doing and instead focus on Father God. He wants us to be vulnerable, let's be vulnerable. But I could get hurt, let's trust him. Let's trust him in that place. We need to guard our hearts. You know, Proverbs, that, that passage of scripture has verse after verse on how we can guard our hearts. Verse 25 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. It's saying, keep your eyes fixed on Him. Don't worry about what's happening outside here. Don't worry about what people are saying, He's doing, how you're feeling. Just stay focused here. Because if you allow this stuff too much room, it seems to penetrate your heart. Yeah? Joyce Meyer a message I, I, 
I heard years and years ago had this great, great analogy. And um, she talks about needing to keep your heart soft. And uh, I, I love this thought. I have shared it here before. But how do you tenderize meat? A really cheap piece of meat, you're going you're gonna to knock the, the life out of it, yeah? Now, let me just suggest, that's not the way to tenderize your heart. It's putting it out there. Your heart gets hurt, and when it's beaten, it gets hurt, yeah? But there is another way to tenderize meat, particularly if it's a good quality cut of meat. And our hearts are now good quality hearts, because when we came to the Lord, He didn't just fix up our heart, He gave us a brand new heart. So when you've got good meat, all you need to do to tenderize it is to marinate it. You just need to let it sit there. The longer it sits there, the more tender it becomes. The more tender it becomes, the more delicious it is. Yeah. George Meyer says this. She says that our hearts are the same as meat. It's our responsibility to guard them and to keep them soft, to keep them tender, not to let them become hard hearts. And she says we need to marinate our hearts like we do meat. Marinate in his presence, in his truth, in his word. It's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. It's in his presence when we're full of his joy. His joy is our strength. And so no matter what comes at us, if we've guarded our hearts by marinating it in his presence, sitting with him, yeah, we have all the strength we need to keep moving forward every day. Living a vulnerable life because now we're strong because we've been marinating our hearts in his presence. I love that. You know, verse 26, it goes on and on. Take only ways that are firm. Verse 27 of Proverbs 4. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. If you want to guard your heart, be careful where you go. There are some places as Christians we shouldn't go. Yeah? I'm just putting it out there. Don't be stupid. If you've got a problem with gambling from the past, don't go where there's gambling. It's not rocket science. You know, you've got a problem with drinking. Don't go to where there's excessive alcohol. You've got a problem with pornography. Don't sit on a computer all by yourself. There are some places and some things as Christians we just shouldn't do. Yeah? So if you want to guard your heart, be careful where you go. Be careful what you read. Be careful what TV shows. I'm so finicky with what I read, and I'm not a big reader, but people go, you should read this, it's really good. But if I don't know the author, and if the authors that I trust haven't recommended this author, it doesn't matter whether you tithe or give in this church, I'm not reading the book because I'm not going to put my heart in that position. Unless I totally and utterly trust you. yeah. Because this is the most important thing to God. So I've got to keep guard. I've got to watch over it every day. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, in your heart, set Christ apart as Lord. Full stop. Make him number one. Just make him number one. Crown him as Lord. Depend on him to protect you. Depend on him to defend you. To depend on him when you're under attack. Depend on him when you find yourself in a hard place. Depend on him. Let your heart be Christ's home for Christ's truth. Yeah? 
every moment of every day in every situation. Make him number one. Why don't we stand? If we want to live a vulnerable life, if we want to be a vulnerable people, we need to learn how to guard our hearts so that we can live that way. Don't allow the enemy a foothold. Because once he's got you, you won't live vulnerably. And when you're not living vulnerably, you're actually not sharing some of the heartache, some of the struggle that you're going through. And the issue with that is, apart from the fact that you won't have victory there, the person that's sitting on the left, the right, in front of you, behind you, they won't have victory there because you've not shared your struggle and they need your struggle to get through to the other side. And I understand why you won't share it, why you won't be vulnerable if you've not guarded your heart. But you can't guard your heart by keeping people out. You can't guard your heart by keeping stuff out. You can't do that. That's not your job to do that. It's his job to do that. Our job in guarding our heart is to imprison, yeah? To place in a cell the very thing that he's given us, the relationship with him, sons and daughters, yeah? Head and not the tail. I am of utter value completely worthy all the time no matter what people might say situation might say kids might yell what your boss at work might suggest I love David search me O God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts Psalm 139 point out it's so important for him to guard his heart that he even says Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This psalm has to be our psalm. Yeah? That, that prayer needs to be our prayer. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. I've guarded it. I've protected it. I've, I've kept everything in that you've given me. And the enemy's come and he's, and he's got some arrows and some of them have gotten through to the keeper. But Lord, can you show me, point out anything that offends you so that I can keep this clean and pure, so I can keep living open and honest and vulnerable, so I can keep building family that others want to be a part of. Because it doesn't matter if I burn my potatoes or not. They just love my presence. Our heart matters to God. It's the wellspring of life. Yeah, It's the starting point. If you're struggling with living a vulnerable life, maybe let's look at the heart. Because it's the heart that it's the starting point. The heart that it's the starting point. I was thinking as we were singing today, as Ben shifted gears and he said it's the overflow of the heart. Each and every person in here, I guarantee you, at one part of your life, you have, whether it's in your home or in your car, you've played a song and you've sung to it on a track eight, on a tape, on a CD, mini disc. Now it all gets streamed, but somewhere, somehow, on, a, on an album, on a 45 or a 33, you've played some music and you've sung it. But somehow we get into this place. And for whatever reason, we're not as vulnerable amongst other people when it comes to singing with God. I, I don't get it because I love singing. Ben knows. I always want to lead the worship team and he knows that I don't sing very well. But he knows that I sing. I don't mind if I'm out of tune as long as I'm singing and worshipping God. It doesn't matter what other people think. I've got churches overseas that I've visited that run their worship so quickly because men don't like to sing. Hogswash. What does Scrooge say? Bar humbug. 
Man, every man has sung a song. It could be the ACDC or something. I don't know what. It even could be the Liberace. I don't know what you sing to. It could be the Dean Martin. But somewhere, somehow you've sung because you didn't care what was around you. Our hearts need to be like that with God. When it's in our worship corporately, when it's with, with our worship individually, we just need to be vulnerable and vulnerable with the people around us. But to do that, we need to guard our hearts. So who's ready to guard their hearts? Who's ready to be the difference that somebody else needs? Who's ready to be the Jesus that somebody else might meet? Because you might be the only Jesus that they ever hear from. You could be the only Jesus that they ever get a touch from, yeah? You know, if we can guard our hearts and live in the truth that's inside us, the reality of how God sees us and what he thinks of us, it allows us to live a life so vulnerably that those around us actually experience heaven and discover Jesus. That's where the rubber hits the road, amen? So let's pray that the rubber hits the road. Let's not take a sideward step. Let's not take a backward step. Let's be a people that are prepared to guard our hearts by keeping what God's given us, by totally, absolutely, 100% believing in him, but allowing that to actually dictate our actions rather than the thoughts that are in our minds, amen? So let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege and honor we have to live a vulnerable life, to be like Jesus. But Lord, life can hurt, and it does. So Father, help us to guard our hearts. Help us to focus on your son, Jesus. Help us to keep our paths straight. Help us to so fix our gaze upon him. Help us to not go to places, do things, read things, be at things, Lord, that are going to cause our faith to be shaken. Father, give us wisdom to live a life, Lord, that you would be proud of. Lord, a righteous life that glorifies the name of your son, Jesus. So we thank you. Father, create opportunity and space for, Lord, each and every one of us to be that open, honest, vulnerable vessel that the person besides us needs. Give us wisdom on who to share with and when to share with. But more importantly, God, give us the wisdom to know how to guard our heart above all else. Guard your heart. Lord, give us the wisdom to do that and to do that well. So we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this place. We thank you for the people in this house. We thank you for our friends that aren't here. Be with them right now. Touch them, I pray. But Lord, even as we spend time with you in prayer over the the coming days, as we spend time in worship, Lord, I pray that you will give us more and more and more revelation on what it is and what it means to guard our hearts. Father, that we might be, Lord, so strong, so valiant, so mighty, that when you look to us like Gideon, Father, you would say, hey, mighty woman, mighty man of valor. Who, me? Yes, you. Mighty man, mighty woman of valor. Let that be our chant, our name, our claim. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said? Let's have a wonderful Sunday. Yeah, Guard your heart.